I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Phil Webster is an author, actor, spiritual seeker. And after living abroad and traveling the world for 20 years... He returned to his native England back in 2017 and embarked on an acting career. At the tail end of the COVID-19 pandemic, an unexplained event coupled with a devastating loss sent him down a completely different path forever. His debut book, Letting Glow, documents his journey into the mystical and helps us connect with our highest states of intuition, realigning the connection between our thoughts, consciousness, in authentic cells, and ultimately searches for proof that we survive physical death. His website is philwebster.com, linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Phil, welcome back. Hey, George, thank you for having me back. Nice to speak to you again. How have you been? Yeah, good, thank you. Just in a very, I'm in a very dreary and gray London at the moment, but yeah, that's to be expected. That's typical London, isn't that? That's it. Tell us about this journey that you went down the spiritual path. What happened to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, We briefly touched on it before, but for anyone that um, didn't catch that episode, um, you know, I'd I'd sort of, I'd had little moments through the years. It would seem every five years or so, I'd have some weird event. Uh, Something would be almost tapping me on the shoulder, and, and I'd kind of just take note of these things and think, well, you know, that was weird, and then just move on. Some were more profound than others, um, but really the catalyst to send me down this path and, and where the books came from uh, was something that happened around the time my mum passed away, and that was at the end of the COVID-19 pandemic, and um, we would FaceTime every day. I hadn't seen her for a few months, and just to sort of cut straight to it, I called her one night, uh, as we did most days on, on FaceTime, and um, and I saw a man standing beside her, and, and I saw him long enough that I could describe him, and he looked like he was probably in his late 60s, had thin and gray hair, glasses, and kind of shocked me because it was quite late at night. She lived in a very rural place, and we were in another lockdown. Um, and I said, well, who's that? And she said, who's what? And I was, okay, Mom, I, I just saw someone, and she, and she just kind of just dismissed the whole thing. 
and we spoke for another hour or so, and, and I believe that there was no one physically with her. And I, I, I just kind of just put it down to, I, I don't know what, um, a glitch on the phone or something. And then the next morning, I got the phone call that my mum had passed away. So through all of the grief and, and everything that comes with that, my mind kept going back to this, this, this guy. I was like, you know, well, what are we talking here? If I rule out that there was no one physically there, then are we talking spirit guys, ghosts, or what? Right. So that really, that really opened the door to this, this whole path that I've gone down. Did you think for a moment, Phil, that somebody had broken into the house and maybe you've done it, done her some harm? Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction was, so again, it was quite late at night and she lived on a place called the Isle of Wight. So I kind of knew, it's like lots of countryside and beaches and stuff like that. Um, so I knew all of her immediate neighbors. We didn't have any other family there. I, I'm in London a few hours away. And and she would have um, kind of like house help, like nurses that would come and check on her daily and make sure she took her meds and stuff like that. Um, but they would never show up after six. So yeah, I was, I initially thought it was one of those. Um, but when she just kind of just started talking about what she, she talked about them being in the house earlier. And, and I asked her a couple of times and, and just her whole demeanor. Um, I could always tell when someone was with her because she would put on all these airs and graces, you know. Um, she wasn't doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't, I, don't, I didn't, my mind didn't go to an intruder. It just kind of, it just kind of dismissed the whole thing. It just didn't make sense. Um, and we spoke for like nearly an hour. And she just didn't show any signs of anyone being there. So I just kind of just went a bit and, and um, just, just sort of brushed it off. And then, like I said, when I got the news the next morning, then it kind of took on a different aspect. I wasn't really sure what to do with it because I didn't immediately go to the spiritual. I, my, my head wasn't really in that space at the time. But I kind of started looking into these things. And the more I did, the more that made sense. And then I started looking back on other things that had happened throughout my life and looking at them through a different lens they started to make more sense as well. Did you ever figure out who that individual might have been? I actually didn't. I, I, I sort of, I thought I'd come to a, a conclusion that perhaps he was like my dad or something. I hadn't seen him for 20 years. Um, but I, I was just kind of going around in circles. That was a thing. It, it was, it was almost, it, it almost offered me some comfort, but it didn't because I didn't recognize the person. You know, he didn't look like Uncle Carl or something like that, you know. Um, so I, I, you know, I just had different ideas from people that I've spoke to in, in these last couple of years. Um, people are talking about my mum's spirit guides, or perhaps it was somebody that she knew that I didn't know, you know, that was around before my time. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I just had to sort of take some comfort from it that, that something was going on, somebody was with her. Um, but it, yeah, it's interesting. I, again, a few years before this, I, I, I had a bit more of a cynical outlook on life, and I probably wouldn't have bought into any of this stuff. But with all the things that have happened since and that I've learned and wrote about, I'm I'm like pretty much convinced that, that we that we go on, yeah. Did that episode with your mother's passing lead you to write the first book, Letting Glow? Yeah, that was it. That was essentially I, I just documented my journey, so I sort of poured my grief into it and then I started learning specifically about mediumship and I just kind of documented the journey and all these amazing things started to happen. Um, people like mediums giving me evidence and, and all that. And then I started learning, um, to be a medium myself and, and then giving other people evidence that, that I know that I didn't know about was just such a, again, just such an amazing experience uh, to have people confirm that these things that are coming in, uh, to me, uh, seem to be real. In the latest book, of course, Phil is called Glowing Deeper, book two of the Letting Glow trilogy. So it sounds like there's going to be another book. 
Yeah, um, I just, when I finished the first book, I'd, I'd learned so much about all these amazing things. And, and it was kind of a mixed bag because, again, I was pouring my grief into this, into the first book over the first year. Um, but by the time I'd finished it, I felt like I had a, a whole other book in me. I just learned about all these amer- amazing sort of spiritual practices from around the world. I started studying female spirituality at the University of Barcelona, which is a pretty specific uh, subject. But I was just intrigued by all these things I was finding out about. So the second book is kind of less about my journey and more about the sort of spiritual practices as, as a whole and, and esoteric things. What have you learned over the last few years? So much. Um, again, I'm 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 forever the eternal skeptic. So at my core, I really I, I've I've had I've experienced so many things now that I am convinced that we that we continue in some form of consciousness. Um, but I'll always question it, um, and, and it kind of annoys me at the same time because I, I need to stand by this. I just wrote two books about it. Um, but I, I can't help but just sort of look at it always from both angles. Um, but I, I've learned... You still there? Yeah, just just the, the actual... Oh, you're cutting out a little bit. Let's switch over to your cell phone, all right? What do you want to enforce my beliefs onto anybody else. Um, I, I totally get it that why people are skeptical about these things. Um, but yeah, just, just there's so much, um, that, that, that I've learned these last few years that, that it is, yeah, I'm just amazed by it, uh, continuously amazed by it. Let's talk a little bit about the work that you've done. What have you learned about the other side, Phil? Well, it's there's so many aspects to it. I've learned some from some of, with, with utmost respect and reverence, I've learned from some of the best mediums um, around, um, such as uh, Gordon Smith in the UK, James Van Praa, your side, um, Claire Broad, that pretty very quickly, just, just the evidence that these people were giving me. And it wasn't like I was running from one medium to the next. I was just intrigued about this whole thing uh, um, and just really opened myself up to the idea that, that it's a real thing. And and very quickly, it it just seemed to establish itself for me as, okay, this is, this is all legit. Um, I, I went on to study with uh, some indigenous shamans, and, and I, I was really amazed and wrote about the, in the second book about the similarities between a lot of ancient cultures, not just your side of the pond um, over here in the British Isles and through Europe as well, that, that we were all talking about the same thing. Um, there's so many commonalities between sort of older or sort of more traditional elements of spirituality uh, that are really essentially the same thing we're doing as modern mediumship as well. Um, it, it really sort of transcends time and and back in the day, oceans. We, we were all coming up with the same um, same words for these things. One thing that I really dove into in the second book again was kind of more sort of mythology around uh, around the British Isles and Europe and the States, and and we even had some of the same words. You know, like when we start talking about nature spirits and things like that. There were so many commonalities, um, even though we weren't connected at the time. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a section in your book that goes into the metaphysics of time and living in the now. Tell us about that. All right. Um, how long have you got? <laughs> um, Two hours. Yeah, all right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, I had a very profound experience in my mid-30s, um, and, and this quite is somewhat of a long-winded story. But back then, I had lived abroad from the U.K. for around 20 years. And I, I was running bars and clubs at the time. And I, I've kind of, as I mentioned, developed a little bit of a, a cynical attitude towards life. I guess things weren't going the way that I wanted them to go, sure. things like that. that um, yeah. And, and I remember waking up one morning, and this is a bit of an abstract concept, but I, I'm not the first person to talk about it. But I, I remember just kind of having this this observation that time was nonlinear. Um, you know, we've only really got the moment of now. And kind of... Uh, you know, everything else is just like a memory of the past or, or a projection of what we expect of the future. But really, it's just now all the time. And on this particular morning, as I was thinking about that, something shifted. And, and I can't emphasize kind of how powerful it was, that it terrified me. It kind of sent me into a full-blown panic attack. Um, and it was as though people talk about living in the moment of now. It was like that times a thousand. All of a sudden, it was, as, you know, linear time fell away, and it was just now. Um, and I couldn't switch it off. It was just now 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 all the time and and i thought i was going nuts essentially um i tried to go to work that night and, and i was sort of trying to explain to my colleagues what was going on with me and they were just looking at me like sure okay <laughs> and um they thought you and, were nuts right well yeah i mean i thought i i was really it didn't stop and i can't explain it, it was as though it was a an ultimate awareness of where i was right then and there all the time i couldn't just drift off and sort of get lost in my thoughts or think what I'm going to have for dinner that night or what movie I watched last night. It was just now, all the time. It was just like this ultimate awareness, as though I were, I don't know, like my brain was made of crystal or something. It, it was just it was just really like a hyper-reality. 
And after a few weeks of this, I, I thought, okay, I can't, this was, it was too much. And I, I went to a doctor and tried to explain the best I could, because uh, it's such a weird thing to try and explain. And they started using words like psychosis, which, which terrified me. Um, and they gave me some anti-anxiety meds, they gave me sleeping pills, stuff like that. And the sleeping pills would knock me out, I'd wake up the next day, and this whole thing would just start up again. Just this Jeez. kind of ultimate awareness of now, it was just overwhelming. Um, I did, a couple of weeks later, I went to another doctor, and I started not to take this down the dark path, but I started really getting to the end of my rope. This thing really just wouldn't let up. Um, and I thought, well, if this is the way my brain's working now, then I, I really, I, I'm not sure this works for me, you know, anymore. Um, months later, and, and this was just 24-7, whatever this thing was that was going on, I found a, a therapist. And why I went to this guy was that he was a hypnotist. So I thought, all right, I'm just, just zap this thing away from me, you know? And, and he was kind of like, well, no, it doesn't, it's not how it works. Um, but anyway, he gave me a very basic grounding meditation. And he started using words like mystic and shamanic sickness and, and things like this. I had no idea or interest of what he was talking about. Um, and he, this, this meditation brought me back pretty much instantly. Um, and I was just thankful for that. And, and, and I'd practice this thing every day. And very, very gradually, I kind of came back online, you know, to join the rest of the herd. And, um, and, and I just was like, okay, well, I don't know what that, I was just thankful to put it behind me and, and to have my mental health, um, in check, you know, and, and, and I have to say, kind of really bashed my ego to the floor. And I came back a lot humbler and kind of a lot more appreciative of, of um, of everyone in my life. And I sort of dropped some dead weight, changed jobs, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, not to dismiss me mental illness by any means, but essentially what this guy told me that I was going through was, was a spiritual awakening um, and that it was fairly common. And again, at the time, I was like, okay, great, whatever, and just put it behind me. But once my mom had passed and, and all these other experiences started to, to come to light, I kind of looked back on that with a very different different perspective, you know, almost as though, again, something would happen every few years. Not as profound as that. But every five years or so, it would be as though something were like setting me up for for whatever this is. I know it sounds quite grandiose, but um, I just feel that now I'm I'm finally on the right path to what I've always um should have been doing. Phil, why do you think it took your mother's passing to get you into this mode? Yeah, I I mean, I suppose for any of us, and just to bring it back to a more practical level after all that I just said, um. You know, when we lose a parent, I think we really lose the one true witness to our lives, so like any of us. I mean, obviously, people have different relationships with their parents, and um, I, I had a very good one with my mum. Of course, you know, she would drive me nuts from time to time, but, but for, for the most part, we, we were good yeah, friends. Yeah, moms do that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think it's such a profound, life-changing experience. Like, you've really had that one person that was always there, and then... It's very much like stepping into an alternate reality where it's like, okay, this is me now. It's, it's yeah, I mean, personally, I don't have any, any siblings or very much family. So it was really a, a shift in everyday reality. Um, and then just that, that wanting to know that the person's okay. Um, and, and of course, uh, from, from my side, just missing her and, and really looking for that connection. So that, that was really the, the instigator to just kind of look at everything from a different angle. And when I did, all these weird things that had happened in the past made sense. And it's also odd because, you know, I, I'll talk about these things and I'll talk about one experience after another. These things were very few and far between. In, in the middle of this, I was just concerned with paying the bills and going to work and 
all the rest of it. You know, I wasn't walking around like Yoda or anything, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, now, now it's kind of it, this, this whole thing is since writing the books, this has really much, um, been my focus. Are strange things still happening to you? Well, I just feel that since opening up to, again, mediumship in particular, um, that, that it seems to be becoming more common and it's not so, so much of a weird thing. I think that when we have these experiences for, for any of your listeners that may have had a, a supernatural experience or something like that, they tend to come in in a different way. I mean, of course, there are physical things like people talk about seeing ghosts or uh, feeling a cool breeze or something like that. But a lot of the time, I think these things come in as a, as a, as a knowing. And when you experience that, it's, it, it's kind of undeniable. But when you try to look back on it, it tends to not sit in the memory as, as the same way that everything else does. You know, it's a very internal, subjective experience um, that we don't really have anything else to relate it to because they're very often out of the blue and and not what we're used to. But I feel that, yeah, when you kind of go down this path and, and start looking for these things and open up to it, then they do seem to come in more regularly. Of course, the flip side of that is that a skeptic might say, well, when you're looking for those things, then you're going to see them. But it does seem to work like that. What is the biggest message you want people to take away when they read Glowing Deeper? I believe that it touches on a lot of subjects, obviously life after death, but I think that one important aspect that that runs throughout both books is that we're not, we don't have to get caught up in the daily dramas and our thoughts, that we are something that observes as our thoughts. There are a lot of meditations in the books and, and they really teach us to just be able to connect with that inner knowing. Um, and then when you sort of can tune into that, it tends to, the, the more trivial things seem to fall away. You know, when you can recognize that, that you're the one observing your thoughts, then you don't necessarily have to get offended by something someone says or all of those kind of things. And, and it's really a very liberating uh, experience. So, yeah, hopefully I feel that that's really one of the core messages, along with the I believe that we do survive physical death. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.